Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. It's May 2021, and earlier this month, we celebrated National Small Business Week and Mother's Day. So it's only fitting that we interview one of my dearest friends, brilliant entrepreneurs, podcast hosts, and baby mama goals, Annie Teplin. (laughs) Annie writes, I began my career as a professional makeup artist on the set of music videos and red carpets. It was during this time that I began experiencing symptoms of cystic acne. And while fortunate enough to have the skill set to cover the physical marks, the emotional scars were not as easy to conceal. I was inspired to create a private Facebook group called The Skin Owl, offering professional insight into skincare, makeup, and a platform for driving home the importance of self-care. After completing a course at UCLA in cosmetic chemistry, I introduced a curated collection of clean, results-driven skincare called Skin Owl with a mission to nurture the complete well-being of my customer. Skin Owl is now a skincare company with a cathartic customer service and a we're in this together principle with no end in sight. On the weekends, I can be found hanging with my hubby Micah, newborn Monty and dog Monkey, or hosting a table of amazing humans at Skin Owl's virtual dinner collective called the Parliament Project. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my greatest pleasure to introduce to you the founder and CEO of Skin Owl and one of my dearest friends, the one and only Annie Tevlin. Hi! Thank you for that amazing intro. You're so sweet. Oh my gosh, it is such a privilege to celebrate you. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love what you're doing here. I've always loved what you're doing. And so thank you for taking the time to just champion so many amazing people that you've had on this podcast. It's it's such a, it's, I understand, trust me, it's a labor of love. But when you interview people that you love and respect, the job becomes easier, you know? It becomes easier. And honestly, I mean, I'm doing this for the audience, right? The audience and our community is getting so much out of this podcast, but really selfishly, it's also for me to celebrate the people that I either know or have heard about or, you know, friends of friends and just bring everyone together. And especially during this virtual time that we're living in, it's, it's been so helpful for so many people. And I know, you know, that from your podcast as well. Absolutely. It's the best. And I think there's like something really cathartic about just listening to people talk, you know what I mean? Like to not have the visual stimuli and just to be in the car or be on a walk or be somewhere. And like, you just kind of hear that fodder in the background. It's almost like I've always been someone to fall asleep to the TV. Like I'll, I'll put it on and then I won't even look at it. And like, that's where podcasts kind of give me life now. (laughs) Totally. So you and I met at the start of our professional entrepreneurial careers. Um, I want to say in like 2013-ish. So we're we're coming up on 10 years. So we've almost had a decade of friendship, which is bananas because I'm not a day over 21. Um, <laughs> yeah, same. Um, we were introduced by mutual, mutual friends. We had our meet cute at Alfred Coffee in LA and the rest is history. We've seen Hi Monkey in the background and Micah Sodden. So you should know every single time I do a podcast, my dog has like major FOMO and like anybody who's ever listened to off the record, it's like, there's always a moment in the interview where he's like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Like I'm ready for my close up. So this is that moment. And thank you for everybody's grace because sometimes he'll talk and it's just because he's feeling the flow of the, of the podcast. 
Oh my gosh, we're so here for it. This is this too is a platform for Monkey to speak his to speak his truth. Let's be real, right? Um, so we, you and I, have seen each other through relationships, business up and downs, our own collaborations together, and all the hairstyles. Which I mean, we're celebrating. What what is this color on you? So this now we're doing kind of. I'm very big into the mermaid colors. Like I'm not into the Crayola primaries, but if it's something that a mermaid would have. I'm here for it. Like, honestly, I'm here for it. So we started with like a pinky kind of like um, strawberry latte kind of a color. And then slowly it became like a light pastel pink. And now, and then I recently changed it to turquoise and it's turning into, I don't know, it kind of looks like on this screen, like a seawater. It's so good. <laughs> um, but I'm dying to know what was little Annie like? Oh my gosh. Okay, well, little Annie, <clears throat> I think there were different, you know, stages and installations of my childhood. I would say what probably sticks out the most for me is like eight to 12. Like whenever I get asked that question, it's like this kind of late elementary school, early middle school. And, you know, I remember being a very intuitive child. I remember, you know, being mostly an introvert and then an extrovert in places where I felt very safe. So I went to summer camp every year for many, many summers. And, and my mom always said, like, you got through the school year so that you could like go to camp. And that's where the majority of my, you know, quote unquote, real friendships were. It was a place where there was such bonding, such sisterhood, such um, education and like that street smarts in terms of like intimacy and vulnerability and um, you know the, the real kind of pillars of friendship where you were in this kind of uh, you know very pure environment where you were invited to be yourself um, while also exploring like relationships with boys or girls or like what you know what I mean what, what have you and it was this kind of example of safety and, and joy as a child that I think I was always chasing during the school year. And so as a result, I was more quiet in this, in like the nine months school year um, kind of sector and listened and, and maybe followed along more. And then at camp, I felt like more of a leader. And so it was like this dance of two, I think is the best way to explain it. I was really intuitive. I was highly emotionally intelligent as a kid. I saw adults talking and could kind of pick up vibes about them. My whole family is funny. So I remember having like a wicked sense of humor as a kid. And then, but then there was this other part of me that was like really insecure and really quiet and just didn't feel like I knew my place when I wasn't at camp in certain ways. Um, and so I think as a result, I overcompensated by being someone who achieved a lot. Like I, I wanted to start working at 12. I remember like literally looking in a phone book being like, I'm going to be a veterinarian. And so I'd like to start working now. And my parents were like, we think that's a little illegal. We're not sure if they'll be able to, but like, it was just something that I remember, I think overcompensating and achievement and ambition kind of became my way to use my voice when, you know what I mean? When I wasn't at camp. That's so funny. I feel like we, not knowing each other as children, I feel like you and I lived very similar lives because my I don't remember being very extroverted aside from being on the, the stage as a, you know, taking dance classes and being on the stage. I think at school, I was like, I buried myself in my work. Yes. Yep. And it wasn't until adulthood that, and in starting my own company that I learned the importance of separating the two, right? Yes. Of like, you and I have spoken about this for years, like busy for the sake of being busy. 
as opposed to being intentionally productive. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of fake busy. I mean, Annie and I met when we were in LA, we are, neither of us are there anymore. Um, But you, you transitioned from fake busy out of fake busy. Um, I mean, I think we did that in front of each other's eyes. Like we were able to hold each other's hands through that. What was your moment of realizing that being busy for the sake of being busy wasn't doing it for you? I mean, I would probably phrase it differently. Like I totally hear what you're saying about like hashtag fake busy, but I was like very real busy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was not someone to glamorize busy. I was not someone who was talking about- That's how- it. It's like, it's glamorizing busy. Yeah. I was not, there was no, like, there's no, I'm very clear on that. Like I actually was that busy every single day of my life because I was growing something that I was passionate about and I was growing something that meant something to me. And so in the beginning of growing a business, you're in grow mode. You know, you want to, you want to grow the website, grow your clientele, grow your social media, grow this, grow for me, it's a product line. And then at a certain point, I think you kind of have to audit yourself and say, am I growing in the ways that I should be? Do I need to be growing at the speed that I'm growing? Like where, where am I going? And that's why when entrepreneurs come up to me and say, what's like your one piece of advice, it's always slow and steady wins the race. Because even though I was very, very busy, I still was, I was not an overnight success. I was not someone that grew their business quickly. It took, you know, Skin Owl has been around for eight years and it took me probably five, which is very long for how quickly businesses grow in the Instagram world. You know what I mean? There's an algorithm to it. People pop up on Instagram. They use certain ad techniques and algorithms and bam, they're like multi-million dollar companies. And I never had that kind of money to deal with in the beginning. And I don't have that money now. And it was like, if I have the money, I spend it. And if I don't have the money, I don't spend it. And so it was a, it was a very slow process, but I think for me, between having a skincare line, having the podcast, having a dinner series with a million other ideas brewing and then getting married, remarried, and then having a child, um, it very quickly dawned on me to your original point that like anything I spend my time on is going to pull me away from other things. It used to just be anything I'm going to spend my time on would pull me away from, you know, other things that I want to do. Now, anything I spend my time on or any new idea that I want to innovate, it's going to pull time away from the love of my lives. And that's like not working for me anymore. That is just like non-negotiable. I want a whole life. I don't, I don't think it's sexy to be someone who's like working all the time. I don't think it's sexy to see other people who are working all the time and you see it from very far away. It's, it seems like there's such a void and it's like a very, for me, it was a very sad, I think, existence. And, and it reminded me of like an overcompensatory time, which like when I did that audit and I realized like I have everything that I've ever wanted in my life. You know, I have a healthy toddler. I, I'm now in a marriage that like resembles me and lifts me up. And, and when you kind of start asking yourself these questions of like, what is obligation versus desire and where do I need to be and where is my soul at rest and, and what do I really need is my backdrop, everything changes. And that's, I think, yeah, what brought me to Idaho. It's what made me, my business is more successful than ever because I have t- seen that boundary and actually activated it. How long ago was that audit? 
Um, probably a year and a half ago. Oh, fairly recent. Yeah. So during COVID. Uh huh. Yeah. So when COVID hit, I was going through, I think, a transition where I wanted to kind of redefine what Skin Owl was, but I wasn't in a place to do it in LA. And I think sometimes Los Angeles, it's this like incredible vortex of created creativity and passion and like people doing. Um, but I think after 17 years in that city, I got a little stagnant. It got a little stagnant for me. Like it, I didn't feel creative there at all. And then COVID just, I think, exacerbated that. Like I was traveling to other places, really like otherwise unnotable places on the map that weren't like LA, Manhattan, blah, blah, blah. And I was feeling so inspired by just like daily life and people who weren't like hustling and bustling in the same way. And um, people who had a full life, you know, people who were working really hard and achieving, but also had hashtag mom life and had hashtag Annie life, you know, like I was really looking for me to kind of delve back into, to like sexy time with myself. And so, yeah. So when COVID hit, we, <laughs> I, we wanted to get out of LA to kind of see where we wanted to raise our family um, knowing that it wasn't going to be Los Angeles. And we went on a road trip to Boise in May of COVID and bought a plot of land and literally came back, listed our house in August, no, listed our house in July. And then, and then was on a road trip to Boise, moving into our new life in August. And that is kind of right. So now I've been here for nine months and that transition, it had, you know, sometimes in order to move, you have to have something big happen. Like you have to just like throw all your cards in the air and see where they land in order for you to reposition the kind of life that you want. And, and in, in certain ways, I think it was, it would have been really hard to do it in LA. Amen, sister. I remember calling you in November saying, I don't know if LA is still the place for me. And by March, by beginning of March, first week of March, I was in Florida. And yeah. I remember our phone conversation and you just saying, you're going to love LA forever, but I don't think you're going to look back. And I love it so, so much, like so much. Um, but you're right. I, there is this freedom that I do feel to be creative and do the things that I do want to do, which I thought I was going to be an LA lifer to tell, I mean, yeah. truthfully. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, I've, I think I always saw LA as a hub as like this place that you come and you do what you're called to do and then you leave. But unfortunately, LA, kind of like how people talk about Manhattan, you just get stuck because you can't, you just don't know how you're going to feel stimulated or, or like another place is going to be enough for you after living in LA. And then before I knew it, 17 years had gone by and all of them were intentional. And Lord knows all of them were, were filled with lessons and great purpose for me. But it was really cool to get to a place of like, when you know, you know, as opposed to forcing the LA exodus. Like it was like, oh no, this is just not, this isn't my place anymore. And I'm, and I'm, and not that LA is bad and Boise is good. It's this very fluid thing for me. It's right now, Boise is exactly what I need. And will Boise be forever? We'll see. Like we will totally see, but I am so lucky and grateful to be living here now. I'm so lucky and grateful for my LA chapter and all of the gifts and the lessons that it gave me. And like LA didn't kick me out, you know, like I really do feel like I made it in LA because I got to leave on my terms and take all of the greatest gifts and lessons with me. And not many people can say that. And, and I know that I'm in shared company here. So it's, it's, 
it's all good. You know, it really is all good. So walk us through what your Boise life looks like. Well, it's, it is more than potatoes. Okay. (laughs) All I need in life is potatoes. So you could have said potatoes and I'd been like, Oh, I picked the wrong place to move. (laughs) Let's be clear. You know what I mean? Like it's the license plate says famous potatoes and the French fries are out of this world. Where's the lie? Where's the lie? (laughs) No. Okay. I will not say. Um, but you know, here's the thing. Like Boise is, let me start with this. I have never met friendlier people than Boise, Idaho. Like I cannot, and I have traveled the world. Okay. Boise, Idaho is like this unsung hero. And of course people, the people of Idaho will hate that I'm saying this on a podcast because Idaho does not need any more people from California moving to Idaho. And unfortunately that was the major trend this year. Um, But it is like, it is so there's like this tech world and this startup world and this entrepreneurial spirit. And like, you have all this like Seattle, LA, San Francisco, Portland energy and like active people moving here. But it is like aesthetically the most deliciously pleasing places I have ever seen in my life. Like the sky, the mountains, the landscape, you'll just be walking down the road and you'll see, like I saw a beaver, like the river, the Boise River runs through the entire city. And I saw like a mink and a beaver and a deer. And I mean, obviously millions of squirrels and like, I I can't even explain the amount and just cows and horses everywhere. like. There's something really healing being in a place where you see the natural world. You know what I mean? Like you see animals coexisting with you versus living in a city. It's like you kind of just feel connected to the earth just by default. And it's so awesome. I would never have been able to know that to know that until I lived here. That like hanging out with animals all day and just like seeing them pop up makes you feel more grounded. Um and you know, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty awesome. So I, I have a brick and mortar here. I opened a brick and mortar in February. It was a place that I really wanted to open a brick and mortar because, you know, to offer people this kind of elevated return to healing, return to retail after COVID was very front and center for me, especially with what Skin Owl promotes and like beauty stuff is everywhere in LA. And I never had the passion to open a brick and mortar in LA, but Boise like does not have this kind of elevated skincare education experience. And so, um, you know, a day in the life is pretty much, you know, I wake up Mondays are my office days, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm in the store doing consults with people Wednesday, I do my podcasts, and then Friday are my half days. Um, And then Saturday is like my day at the store just to weird out like I that's my shift at the store. And like, that's when I invite friends and family in and like, we have fun events. And it's awesome. You know, I'm, this is a place where I think I'm, I have a fighting chance to dial down and I have a real fighting chance to decide what I find valuable versus like, I think what LA makes you think is valuable. And I'm still trying to figure out how exactly to phrase that, but I don't know about you, but it took me, and I'd be actually curious to know, like it took me about four months of therapy to fully not fully, I think we're always working on it, but like to feel the effects of detoxing from Los Angeles. Like you don't know the chaos you're living in until you leave it. Well, I think I had started to check out around November, right? So mentally I started checking out of LA, even though I was in LA, um, just because I didn't feel the connection to it. 
So, and then moved here in March, but I was, I wouldn't say until it wasn't until like a week ago, honestly. So March, April, three months here, but mm-hmm. November, December, January, February, March, seven months total. I was detoxing while I was there. So seven months total, but three months in Florida. Yes. And there, there is a rhythm um, in which people run in LA to survive truly. Um, and so kind of coming down from that rhythm, I think took me three. I checked out at seven, but coming down from the rhythm took me three. Yes. Yeah. I think that rhythm, right. It's like that. It's just, it's like people sometimes think it's like palm trees and you're at the beach and you're this. And it's like, just cause it's not like San Francisco or a bustling city or New York, like there's a chaos in LA. There's a very strong chaos and you, you, you know what it is if you live there. And it's just, it's, it's like the most beautiful thing. And it's also the hardest thing. And you don't, it's like this slow perpetual growth. (laughs) Well, I think, but I also feel like for you and I to both have started our brands in LA, they wouldn't necessarily be where they are now without starting it there. So there is something really beautiful to that in starting something. Yes. Yes. And that's like where the dreamers go. You know, that was like why I went there. I wanted the road less traveled. I wanted to you know, leave a mark on the world. I've always like done big things. And now it's like the big thing for me is being a mom and being a wife and like loving on my family. And it's always so funny because it sounds so cliche before I had children. I hear, oh, my passion is to like, blah, blah, blah. but it's not, it's not just the role of being a mom. It's what comes with that. It's a grounding connectedness that when you're building a business, which is so scary. And so, you know, it's a constant consideration for money and, um, you know, fear of failure and all these other things. It's like, none of that exists when you're with the people and things that you love, you know, none of those things can exist because you were born to win. You know, like I'm Monty is my hero. I'm Monty's hero. Like Micah's my hero. It's like, we're all, we all know that we're just doing the best that we can. And so there's this like raw kind of vulnerable, it's okay to just be like, I don't need to be the skin owl. And so it's very important for me to have that outlet in my life where I can put on the skin owl hat if I need, but now it's like, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful dance of two, which only makes me better for my business. So you've, I mean, with all intents and purposes, you've made it right. Like there will forever be growth in Skin Owl, but as your friend and as also as someone looking in, I would look at Skin Owl and be like, oh, this is a fully formed booming company. Like she's made it. But what did the early years look like? Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, well, first of all, that label that you guys see on the bottle right now, that used to be an index card. <laughs> label was an index card. Cause I was like, where do you get labels? And I didn't know, you know what I mean? What was up and what was down. So I like laminated an index card and like had it adhesive, adhesive laminate. Okay. Which is like, it's like a whole new vibe. Okay. That was happening (laughs) in 2013. Um, and you know, it was a lot of kind of what I said in the beginning, right? Like you have the money, then you spend it. And if you don't have the money, you don't spend it. And so, or you put it on a credit card and you spend $25,000 on a credit card, which I paid off. You know what I mean? My God, I think eventually in 2015, but it was like, it was just a, a girl with cystic acne who then didn't know what to do and was about to go on Accutane and went back to school to study something. And in that 
learned so much. And then, you know, instead of just keeping that for myself, I wanted to share it with the world. And so I started formulating products just based on what I had learned at this UCLA certificate program and created a product that got rid of my own acne. And so to share those before and afters in this Facebook group that you called out at the beginning, um, it was this really like almost beta test for growing something on social media. This is before Instagram. And when like Facebook groups were, you know, somewhat new. And I just remember sharing those photos and people being like, you have to bottle this. Oh my God, that product, I want it for my daughter. I want it for my son. Like I need this for my adult acne. And it, the beginning years, it was, it was a pull. That's all I can say. It was an absolute pull. I don't know if I had an intention of building like a massive business. I have zero business experience, but I created a product that healed my skin. And, and as a result, I wound up wanting to share it with 1600 people that were in a Facebook group. And now it's an international brand eight years later. And I honestly look back, you know, like when you, it's like, think about your move all of a sudden, like you pack up your house and then you do the logistical things. And then all of a sudden, like when you unpack that last box, you look behind you and you're like, how did I pack up 17 years of my life? Like, how did I physically do that? And now I'm sitting here in Florida and this is my reality. That's how I think about Skin Owl. Like I look back and it's like, who did all the things to make this happen? You know what I mean? Like, how did this all happen? And it's, it's nuts. Like it's totally bananas to look back on that, but I will say it was just a pull. It was, I, I have no intentions. There was no big business plan. I'm just going to like do the things that you do in order to make the next thing happen. So like a Lauren, who's a, obviously a, a mutual friend of ours, she was a graphic designer. And I was like, I need a logo. She did the logo. Now I'm going to do real labels. So like, can you help me design the labels? And we spent two weeks making labels. And she still does all of the labels, you know, like I, I was told very early on from a mentor, like the first person you should hire is a publicist because it's going to get really old bragging about your own brand. You should have someone else who positions you in a way to highlight it. And so Rachel Johnson from RLJPR was the first person I ever hired. I was totally broke. I was like, I have no money to be giving this person. Like, I don't know what, and it's just, it was a marriage, not a one night stand. And it really it really changed the face of Skin Owl and put us on the map um, because of those first initial stories that dropped. And then the rest of it, you know, the rest is history, as they say. How long into it did you hire Rachel? Um, probably a year. A year. A year, a year in. So it was you, Lauren, doing the labels and graphics, Rachel doing the, the PR, and then how long until hiring your first staff member? I had an intern, who, a girl from UCLA who needed an internship for the summer and um, her name was Terilyn. I love her dearly. Oh, um, I remember Terilyn. Terilyn was like the founding, like honestly, she was just like the person that set the, set the tone and set the stage for so much. She's, she's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And she came in, you know, straight out of college. These kids, I don't know what the heck they're learning in college, but she was at UCLA and she was like, smarter than a whistle. I mean, she just came in and was like, tip, 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 like new, you know, it's like 18 year olds now in TikTok. I'm like, how, what? So, so she created systems. Like I've always been the creative person who's like formulating mad scientist style, like has all the ideas. And then I do really well with someone around me who's creating the systems. And Terilyn did that. So 
she came on as an intern and then I hired her. She was, she came in as a 21 year old as the director of operations for Skin Owl and managed everything from shipping to inventory to logistical side of things. And from that position, like as she went, she then moved to Australia and South Korea to go do um, some like philanthropic work. Uh, I then knew the positions to fill, you know what I mean? So like as Skin Owl comes into people's lives for a season and then they graduate to go off to bigger and better things then like, I see the voids in the company and um, that position was continued, you know, by many beautiful people since then. Um, but that was like the main position. And then aside from a publicist and some creative people, you know, like photographers, videographers, that kind of thing, it has never really been a large team. The Skin Owl logistics team, because we you know, created the product by hand and, and still to this day, ship everything from our, from our, um, you know, from our now from the brick and mortar, it's never been more than five people. And that's been the wildest thing for me to look back and be like, how did we do all of this with just five people, me being the fifth? Like it's, it's, it's magic. It is a miracle in my life for sure. I love that. I think my team is now five. And my first hire, Danny, always asked me, she goes, how did you do this by yourself? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) That question's above my pay grade. I have no clue. I have no clue. No, you just put your head down and you do it. What would you do what you don't need to do? Amen, sister. What would you have, what would you consider to be your biggest break? Hmm. Um, I don't know. That's a tough question. I think, I think there's been like a couple of press pieces that were amazing. Like, um, oh man, like well and good dropped this amazing kind of chronicle article on me and how I, uh, essentially created our mango steam drops, which is now discontinued due to sustainability issues. Um, and, and replaced with another antioxidant as a result, but they chronicled this whole story. I mean, it was like a three page spread um, all about like my trip to Vietnam and who Skin Owl is. And it was like, it felt like obviously there was the internet and there was a lot of content, but because it was before Instagram, it wasn't, it wasn't in such a swipe up heavy world. So people weren't like eating and metabolizing content like they are now. It was like a standout piece. And I remember I woke up and we were getting, I don't know, like, you know, my months in the beginning, like the first year were probably like a fifth of what that article brought in. I remember when that article hit and you're like, do you have any time? I need extra hands to fulfill orders. Insane. I mean, I woke up in like the Shopify, anybody who has Shopify knows what the Shopify order sound sounds like. And it was like, bing, bong, bing, 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 bong, bing, 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 bing. <laughs> what is happening? And I woke up and I like, my ex-husband who I was with at the time, I was like, something is happening to my Shopify account. Like I honestly thought that it was hacked. And then I looked at the analytics and it was all pointing to this article from Well and Good. And every single order was the the mangosteen drops. I think we had like a hundred orders. I mean, it was insane. It was insane. We did like $10,000 in a day because of this article. And I had never seen anything like that in my life. I mean, the power of publicity, the power of publicity back then with articles now, it's like, you know, everybody's, there's so much con- consumption because of Instagram and because of content that I wonder if something like that would hit again. 
in the same way. But that was like the first moment where I was like, now I have to capture these clients. And now we have like replenishment business. And now my story is being told like, this feels like validation. So that was a really, really, really big moment. And then, you know, once the wholesalers start catching wind of you. So once we got into credo and we did pop-ups with anthropology and, um, you know, detox market, some of these like local fan favorites in LA that were pretty competitive to get into, like we were accepted. And that, that still remains one of the craziest things. Cult beauty in London, like we, out of all the brands in the world, in the world, like Skin Owl was chosen and is still chosen to be on these shelves. And that, especially knowing that you started with an index card on your label, you know what I mean? Like we were, I hadn't, there was no funding and there still isn't like, it's just so crazy that we're sitting on the shelves or we're in press articles next to La Mer or it's like top five things on our shelfie. And it's like us and like these massive multi-million dollar brands. And sometimes I just like laugh to myself and I think like, oh my God, you know, if these people- <laughs> It's the best, it is the best. Uh, so how far into working with Rachel Johnson PR did that article hit? Cause I want people to understand who listen to this podcast that this is the long game. Yes, yeah. Um, oh, I would say that was 2004. 15. It was probably like 2015. Yeah. So I think it was like nine months into hiring her. Okay. And that's always like Rachel's thing is she's like, you know, it's, it, you got to wait, you got to build it up. You can't just like drop a few products in an editor's lap and like, that's it. And you might get some of those things, but like, if you're not after the us magazine, the, you know, in touch kind of like what stars are wearing and like that kind of stuff. Like if you really want your story to be told, you've got to wait, you've got to build it, you know? And like they say, it takes, takes people seven times to see something before they buy it. Um, and it's probably even shorter now because of Instagram, but it's, it's always the same. Like you, you see it and then, Oh, I remember seeing that somewhere and Oh my God, was that the, Oh, and then now my friend has it. And then, but that's when someone tells your story, um, there's context, you know, there is no more girlfriend marketing and it just becomes this thing that you connect with. And, and she was right that that first story was incredible and it changed the face of Skin Owl, I think, and changed my confidence too. Speaking of telling a story, I was just talking to my team about this, that your company has done such an impressive job at truly building a lifestyle brand. I mean, you guys are hitting every angle of one's holistic life. It is not just about the product that you sell. So I know that your brand started with a Facebook group, but how did that lifestyle element come to be? Was it natural for you or did, was that intentional? Mm. I just, it's, I don't know. I, I, I struggle with that. I think it's like, I'm, I, am skin owl and skin owl is me you know i think that it's like i'm building a brand that resembles me and as a result of being the founder and being the main poster child for this product healing acne it's like people have just always been along been along for the journey people have always been along for the ride like the facebook group started that i was the person that was there to help people and it was this anti kind of department store experience where you didn't have to have, have buyer's remorse and you didn't have to like, I don't know, there was no pressure. It was just, I was this like beauty advisor who could help people. And so 
I think people have always felt connected to me and I've always felt connected to the people. And that lifestyle brand comes from the heart and the dedication, as opposed to like, this is what's in my purse and this is what I'm eating. It's a lifestyle brand because people, it's a full circle connection. And it's, and at this point, that loyalty, right, that we've had from customers since 2012, 2013 that's, there are people who are still with us, many people who are still with us and say, yeah, you know, and I play and I dabble. Yeah, I know you're raising your hand. It's real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, it doesn't mean you're not going to like date around, but at the end of the day, Skin Owl is a product that you always return to. It's your baseline. It's your, it's your foundation. And then you add in the blushes and the bronzers, you know, it is a line that just brings you back to zero always. And I mean that in the way that's like, it is the great equalizer. Anytime I try something and my skin gets like a little awry, I always come back to the drops. I always come back to the eye cream. I always come back to the whip. It's this, it's just like the good pair of jeans that you just really don't want to throw out because it's been there with you through so much. And I think that that sharing so much of my story with people, whether it's my divorce or, um, you know, moving to Boise, like these kind of big a miscarriage in my past. Like I, I have shared this with people and not overshared, but I think as a result, people, people feel like it's a lifestyle brand because there's a lot of life in it. I mean, I believe in the brand so much. I think I intended to do like a couple slides on Instagram stories of a testimonial and it was upward of like 30 slides. <laughs> and I talked about, you know, all the different ways that I use all the drops and all the products. And then, you know, every day I open my cabinet and it's like, I'm preparing for the apocalypse and all I, all of my supplies are skin owl. That's it. That's all you really need. <laughs> really, I'm sure we can eat it. I'm sure we can eat the charcoal bar if we need to. Green beauty, baby. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, what percentage of your sales do you put into marketing? Because you're very active on social media and email marketing and texting. Do you have in your business, do you have a marketing budget? Like, is there a percentage that you put into marketing or is that still very much organic? All organic, all organic. I think, you know, with some of the Instagram spend, there will be, um, there's a little bit of a percentage there. But in terms of marketing, I mean, you're looking at it, you know, I do most of the marketing. I still manage all of the social media. Um, I have a team who does obviously my newsletters and my homepage banners, right. And the website design. Um, but at this point, <laughs> there's the, the people who love the brand are doing so much of the marketing organically. Like we had brand ambassadors for about four months earlier in, well, before, before COVID. And then we took a step back from that just out of the sake of everybody's sanity and not feeling pressure online to talk about things like skincare when bigger things were at hand. But we've never even really had brand ambassadors. We have people that are in stores selling the product for us at our different locations. Um, and now of course a brick and mortar, which the brick and mortar has has you know become press worthy and now people are talking about the brick and mortar and we've partnered with people locally here to talk about this whole Boise experience but it's really like it's organic when I know it and I know it will be good for the brand then the spending is there but I can't say that like oh 25% of our you know net goes towards marketing it's just it really doesn't look like that it's and I think I have the luxury of that because as a very active and front and center founder, I get to eat a lot of those costs because I'm, I'm there for a lot of the marketing. Totally. 
what I know there have been a lot of shifts. I remember um, a few years back, you made a huge shift to focus on direct to consumer. Um, so when it comes to wholesale versus direct to consumer versus your brick and mortar, because I know that you do all three, where what percentage of what the brand does belongs in each of those categories? Yes, I think, you know, I speak on behalf of most people who were doing wholesale in 2020, that whole world really pivoted, really changed. You know, stores were closed depending on what state you were in. Um, if you were operating wholesale accounts in New York and Los Angeles and California as a whole, you were not dealing with open businesses for the majority of 2020. And so I think most people um, who had businesses where I would say 40% of my business was wholesale, 60% was .com, uh, by the end of 2020, 80% of my business was .com and people were happy to be shopping online as, as an outlet, as a form of, you know, it, I think it ultimately became a hobby when you had very other, you know, very little things to do, um, which is like a blessing and a curse that we were all just manically consuming to probably offset a lot of anxiety uh, and depression. But it was just a way for you to feel connected to the outside world um, uh, as a very American thing to do was just to kind of shop. And so a lot of people, uh, left the brick and mortars behind because it wasn't an option and went into the dot-com and skin owl saw a massive uptick in their business as a result of that. And then the brick and mortar was honestly this approach to healing people when they were ready to come out of their door and into a shopping experience again, and to make it more wholehearted. I mean, this is a place where people can come in, put a record on the record player, have a glass of wine, drink a cup of coffee, get pampered. All of our consults are totally free. So if you're booking with me or Jenny, you sit down and it's 30 to 40 minutes and it's steam and skincare and light stim and you know, it is just this unbelievable experience. Everybody who walks in and out, it's just like, it's that moment. It is really that moment that I think we all have needed. Um, and it's a space where people can come back time and time again and do it. And so our brick and mortar as a result of these consults and the need for that and the desire for that and the replenishment is now equal to our .com, which says a lot <laughs> for, for, I think people's hesitance about me opening up a brick and mortar. I knew that people were going to want to come back into stores. Of course, that was like a part of our livelihood. It's a, it's, it's such an, a fun pastime, whether it's window shopping or bopping in and out of the stores that you love, or you get a little bit extra money. And so you're going to spend that Saturday shopping around for things that you want. Like, I know we've spent a lot of time inside, but that was a, it is my belief that that was just a, a snapshot and a reaction to what was going on as opposed to a, a long-term desire. You mentioned a while back that you spoke to one of your mentors about getting a publicist. Do you still have mentors or mastermind groups in your life for your business? Yeah, I, I do. I do. I think, um, you know, I have, my gosh, my a lot of my friends here in Boise now are all entrepreneurs because we're actually hosting our first parliament project in Boise tomorrow night. And the first one is all dedicated to female founders. And so just learning how people in Boise run businesses versus LA has been a, a strong mentorship in itself. If it works, they're going to do it. If it doesn't work and it's cutting into their quality of life, they're not going to do it. 
Whereas LA, I feel like it's like, you do what you need to do to do what you promised yourself. You know what I mean? Like there's an agreement. And here, the best mentors for me are people that have a whole life and, and, and where it's not so polarizing. Um, and there's amazing people, you know, that I look up to, uh, Meredith Powell out of Vancouver, who helps me from the get go. She's like a mass entrepreneur and helps turn so many businesses around and kickstart so many businesses that I, I can't even begin to say the roster of names, but there's a lot of people, a lot of people I've had on my podcast, just good humans really good humans. Ellen Marie Bennett, the founder of Headley and Bennett, Marie, uh, Maria and Nick, who own Studio 1208, who's our, our uh, videography team. Just like people who have these full lives. Maria is a very active mother. Nick is her husband. Um, they have two children and it's like, she's traveling and doing what she needs to do. And then there's time for her family and time for her life. And so mentorship now is very different. It's not just people who are like building huge businesses. It's people who are extracting as much joy out of their life as possible alongside choosing to be the founder of a company. I love that. So you said that you don't have business training. Where does your entrepreneurial spirit come from? And where does that knowledge come from? Is it just University of Google? Oh my gosh. Um, that's a great question. I, I don't know. I mean, I think I was always pretty entrepreneurial as a child. I mean, my grandmother on my dad's side, they had a travel agency company called Tevlin Travel. And so I, and I didn't realize that when I was building Skin Owl, but it's like, oh yeah, there is, there's some entrepreneurial spirit, you know, like in my family that's been passed down. And I just don't think I ever really liked working for anybody too much because I felt like I could always do their job better. <laughs> or I was like, you know what I mean? Or I was always like, no, that could probably be done easier like this and, or like something that could have been more creative and innovative in terms of marketing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, or maybe we could do this kind of a campaign. And it was always shut down. It was always shut down. And, you know, my, my background is all in the entertainment industry. So I came from the world of music videos and commercial production and, and, and it was so entrepreneurial because I was a freelancer. So I could kind of have this like time to build and then time to rest. And, um, and I think I just always liked freedom in the workplace. I think that's just what it comes down to. I wanted to do what I wanted to do and I didn't want to do what I didn't want to do. So I think that that's really, it's mostly like being entrepreneurial just fix, fits my character profile and fit, fits my character traits. Um, but I will say this, like I'm not someone who like after Skin Owl would do like a flip-flop company. Like it has to speak to me, you know? Like I'm not a mass entrepreneur. I just found I had issues with my skin and turned it into a business. Um, I have to be passionate about it, which is so cool about having a business because then you get to do whatever you want to do. Like I get to have a podcast and I get to, I get to do whatever I want to do and make it and put it all under the umbrella of like Skin Owl or maybe put it all under the umbrella of myself. You know, Annie is the main person who then does all of these things. And like, you don't have to be this or that. You can be everything you want to be. And I like that about being an entrepreneur. One thing that I've learned so much from you in both personal and the entrepreneurial space is boundaries. So how, how did you learn the skill of creating boundaries? Because I feel like now you've mastered it, I think. 
I mean, I, I appreciate that. Um, I'm not sure anybody ever really masters boundaries unless I'll put it this way. Let me start from, from what you first said, how you get good at the skill of boundaries is by being around a a lot of people who like to push them. You know what I mean? Like I, as a business owner, as someone who cares a lot for people, as someone who has a lot of knowledge that can help people, I think by default, people want access to you. You know what I mean? Like people want access to what you know. And then if they have success with Skin Owl, they want, they want more. And I think that that's just a human quality. I don't know if I blame anybody for that. It's you want what, what makes you feel good. And sometimes you know, people don't see that there's a human being on the other end of that. And so it's, it's really up to me to create that boundary. It's nobody else is lying awake at night, wondering if Annie has eaten in the last four hours, you know, or if she got in her workout today or is spending enough time with her son. That's something that I have to really face myself with and say, you know, what are the things that are separating me from what I need to be doing? And so I think after years and years of giving, and years and years of servicing other people, it had to come with an audit that was, you know, what's my takeaway here? And so the people, the people trained me and now I train the people. (laughs) (laughs) It's a reciprocal relationship. It is. is. It's like, no, no, I'm not going to respond after 7 PM because then you'll always email me knowing that I will respond. So like the schedule function on Gmail is one of oh. the best things ever to be used. Change my life. Change <laughs> my life. Yes. I also want to talk about the concept of permission because I do feel that as your friend, you have given me such beautiful permission to be myself and do the right thing, sometimes the hard thing. Um, and also you give yourself such permission to take risks in your business, to start a podcast, to open a brick and mortar, to get married again, to have a family. Where does this concept of permission have? Is that something that has carried with you through life or did you have to harness that? Yeah, I love that question. Um, I am someone from a very young age who just really wanted to feel the life that they were living. And, and I mean that in terms of feeling present um, and feeling, you know, that nothing could stop me from the things that I really wanted to do. And there's a bunch of things that I kind of want to do. And there's a bunch of things that I definitely don't want to do. But the things that I really want to do, I find a way to do it. I've always known I'm, su- I'm very resourceful. And once I set my mind on it, it's something that I want to do, you know? And so it's not, I've never seen it. It's never been a, a fight. It's never been permission-based. It's never been, am I allowed? I think along the way I've met people that are like, I need to like understand what Skin Owl is. Like, is it a skincare brand? Is it a podcast? Like, what is it? And I'm like, it's, it's all of those things. You know what I mean? It, it normally affects people when people don't know that that's allowed for them, or if they're struggling with that identity in their own business or their own life. And you are what you say you are. And that's like words to live by. Okay. You are what you say you are. And if you say that you can't be someone who has a skincare brand and and a podcast, then you absolutely won't have those things. But if you can say, these are the rules that I'm living with, and this is what 
This is in order for someone to understand my great work, I have to position myself with, you know, a skincare brand and an outlet for storytelling, then, then my brand becomes more valuable to myself and more valuable to people because of its wholeness, you know? So I just do, I, I'm definitely in pursuit of what like sets my soul ablaze, so to speak. And I, and I don't want to stop that, you know, that's just how I, how it makes, it makes me feel most comfortable to live my life. No stone unturned. I love that. You are the queen of self-care. I mean, you have built a business and a brand and livelihood around the concept of self-care. What does that look like for you? I love that. Um, I love pampering. Like, I think for some people, what like certain men and women love in like shoes and handbags I love in massage and facials and anybody touching me. And I think that that's like a very psychological thing too, is when I'm in the arms of someone doing a massage or a facial, I'm not needed. I'm not expected to do anything, but just lie there and be on the receiving end of that service. And that it, was deep. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. That, yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm like, Ooh, this is such a place for me. And I've been like that since I was 16. Like I used to love getting my eyebrows waxed a little too much, but, um, like when I was younger, I would go and I booked massages when I was in high school for myself and I would like find the money to do it. You know, I would like do chores or do whatever, like take my camp money from being a counselor and I would spend it on that. So I think it's always been a form of therapy for me to have like human touch and to feel you know, and I can, and I can catch myself if I'm in a massage and I find myself talking to the masseuse or I find myself talking about my life. I have to check myself and say, Annie, why do you not feel like you don't deserve this hour to just not prove yourself to this person or to answer the questions that they're asking? Just say, you know what, I'm going to take this hour. Like, I'm happy to talk to you at checkout about this, but like for right now, just pretend I'm not here. And that's something that like, you know, we're always, my overproductivity is always kind of showing up. So that's why it's like this muscle that you have to hone every single day because your defaults will get you when you don't even know it. So massage and facials and manicures, you know, like these types of things are, when I didn't have that during COVID, it was a huge wake up call for me that like, without those things, where is Annie spending her time? That was my thing. That was like, that was where I, I seeked solace, you know? And so um, I'm really happy that that stuff is back because it's definitely how I care. That is my self-care. That's how I care for myself. That's amazing. Um, and that, I felt that all of it completely. <laughs> yes, I second this. Oh my gosh, so, so much same. Um, what is next for, for Annie Tevlin and also for Skin Owl? Oh my gosh. Um, I finally feel like I'm in a place where I can just let things coast for a while, you know, like without me being front and center, I think moving to Boise positioned it. And now nine months of hard work and building a brick and mortar and a brick and mortar. That's now just like, it's good, whether I'm there, or I'm not there. Um, I've been feeling, I've been feeling called to do things that require patience and like discernment and, and some discipline and, and really will beckon some reflection. 
like nothing. I don't want to do anything else that's going to like position Skin Owl forward or like another product just yet or another th something. I want to start almost like looking back as opposed to looking forward. And so um, this is, I think, aside from my podcast on one episode, the first place I'm really talking about it, but I am starting to write a book. Oh, baby. <laughs> I'm here for it. I don't even care what it's about. I'm here for it. Yes. Yes. Sign it's, me up. It's just about, you know, it's just about the foods that I eat every, no, it's not. It's, it's all of this has changed my life. You know I mean? Your whole life changes your life, but the last eight years of skin owl have completely changed my life. And my life has changed within the wings of skin owl. And there's a lot of life. There's a lot of, if, if these walls could talk. And, um, I think it's like, you know, it's my responsibility to myself to take some time to process what my life has been so far and to make sense of where, where it's put me and where I'm going. And I think that I'm, I need to do that for myself and really like take that breath and say, holy shit, you know, wow, all of this happened. And like that, all of this is what makes you get to where you need to be. It's not the business plan. It's not the straight and narrow it's that all of these mistakes, all of these hesitancies and all of these things that you hope for the best, it's all part of your story. And then as a result of that, like the best is yet to come. And so I have a title, which I'm, which I'm don't even, I'm not even going to reveal it. Okay. So don't twist my arm, but I have a title. Um, and I have some like working notes and I'm doing like Gabby Bernstein's book, like some of her like free seminars and, um, and the first thing that I've heard is just make it social. Like when you want to write a book and you want to talk about writing a book, even if you don't know what you're doing, you make it social, you talk about it socially. And that's kind of an account accountability check for you. So we'll see, like I'm, it'll take a while, but I, I'm, that's what's next. You heard it here first folks. Ooh. How can we support you? Oh my gosh. Um, how can you support me? I, I mean, I think ultimately, I think just like opening up your arms and understanding the, the immense workload that it is to be an entrepreneur and, and be a mother of a toddler. And, you know, so many of us who are doing those things, either of those things, uh, it's a, it's a, it's an extra load to an already complex life. You know what I mean? Like life is hard. And then when you factor in a business and, 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 you know, family life and moving and, and starting over and kind of redefining your narrative, it's a lot. And so I think like on a personal level, the best way to support me at this time is um, grace and uh, perspective. And I mean that too, as a founder, you know, anybody who's like, Annie, why aren't you available for X, Y, and Z? It's like, it's all, it's all there. It's all top of mind. It's all part of my want list, but some weeks it's just not going to happen because of many of those things colliding. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm a small business and, and we're growing exponentially every day, but I would say like the way that you can support me is by supporting yourself, you know, take a moment to consider skin owl. If you're going through acne, if you're going through hyperpigmentation or you have stubborn skin concerns, you know, I encourage people to try skin owl, see what happens, try it for a week 
If you don't like it, return it. But it's, there's a lot of products out there. There's a lot of things that we're all being called to spend our money on. And I get it. Like it's not the time to encourage people to spend more of that money. Um, but like from a personal standpoint, if you are struggling with your skin and it is something that you cannot get ahead of, or you're considering Accutane, or you're spending a lot of money at a dermatologist, like DM me. I would, I would love to open that conversation with you and see if we can help. Lastly, where can we find you? In my sweatpants. Woo! <laughs> um, you can find me, okay, so at Skin Owl um, on the old gram and then at, uh, at Off the Record with You, which is the podcast Off the Record. So you can find the podcast on Spotify or Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. Um, and it's just called Off the Record. Um, and then of course, skinowl.com kind of points to everything. So you'll see my story. You can shop the products, um, the Parliament Project, the podcast, all of that lives there. And if you are in Boise, ever passing through, or you feel like taking a flight somewhere new, um, you can come to 3122 Southbound Way. And we are just that beautiful blue building. And we will take good care of you if you're there. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and for your friendship and all the things. I love and miss you so much. Love you um, too. And I'm fully cross soon. Such a proud friend. Ugh, I feel the same about you. Such a proud friend. Um, well, folks, that was amazing. A huge thank you to Annie Tevlin for coming on the show. Another thank you to Dash Radio for hosting us and to our producers at Island City Media Group for making it happen. Remember to use code MCRADIO, all caps, on SkinOwl.com for 15% off and use code SkinOwl10 for 10% off the jewelry collection at ShopMarinCostello.com. If you liked this podcast, please like, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. And if you want to reconnect offline, find us on Instagram at Marin Costello Radio and me personally at Marin Costello. Thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate you so much and we will see you next week.